we've been looking at our church, looking at Life Get Baba Baptist Church. Uh, several of you I know need to get baptized. Some need to, uh, you, you've talked to me about it. Some need to join the church. And I realize everybody everybody can't be here for these few days. Some uh, that, that wanted to hear these are, are away, but they, they can listen to them on the, on the um, podcast. Uh, but uh, it's important as we look at our church that, People know what they're joining, know what they're becoming a part of. And it's important to remind us uh, that have been around for a long time uh, what it is that distinguishes LifeGate. LifeGate is different. Most churches are different. What is it that distinguishes? We looked at the fact that LifeGate's, <coughs> uh, LifeGate's main focus is to <coughs> encourage vital relationship with God. If we, can, if we can come into a vital relationship with Him, everything else gets sorted from that. Obedience comes from that. Everything else gets sorted from that. It's that vital relationship uh, with him uh, that, that, that really counts for us. Now, when, when we talk today about the philosophy of LifeGate Bible Baptist Church, or what is the, <clears throat> how do we carry ourselves? What's, that, what's our philosophy? Every organization has a philosophy. Every home has a philosophy. Uh, what's the philosophy of LifeGate Bible Baptist Church? We want to look at some things that are, are important to us, and I think they're important to God as well. We're going to look at, look, go through these things uh, and look at them. First of all, LifeGate believes that Christianity should produce holiness of life. Now, I think that kind of stands to reason, and yet we live in a world where that's in question in our day and age, even for the church. And I think we need to look at that, and we need to nail our colors to the mast as a church, but you need to nail your colors to the mast as an individual. We believe in holiness of life. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll begin. Father, would you bless us now? We love you, Lord. Uh, we want to please you. We want to uh, be a people that you can look on, Lord, and be pleased with today. Help us, Lord, now. Lord, we don't want to have anything in our church that's not of you and from you and for you. Uh, and yet, Lord, we, we want to be all that we can be as a church for you. Now, Lord, we know that the church is a living organism, that you're working in it, and you're doing a work all the time. Thank you for this past week. But, Lord, would you bless now today, Lord? Would you draw us in? And, oh, Lord, there are people that need to be baptized. There are people that need to join the church. Blessed Spirit of the living God, would you so work in their hearts, Lord, that they uh, embrace uh, and are excited about and become part. And, Lord, <clears throat> get involved uh, in the work you're doing here. Lord, thank you for so many that got stuck in this week and, and shouldered the burden of Holiday Bible Club and were a part of uh, seeing those souls saved. Uh, but, Lord, may they become part of the church. May each one... Uh, <clears throat> Enter in and embrace and enjoy. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me read you the verse that we've started each day with Matthew chapter 16. <clears throat> Um, the Lord Jesus comes to uh, the disciples and he says, who do you say that I am? And, and Peter uh, makes that bold statement, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And verse 17, and Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed art thou, but Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my father, which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. A couple of things. Uh, for the, first of all, LifeGate Bible Baptist Church is his church. There's a sense in which it's our church, but the reality is it's his church. He's the head of the church. It's about him. Uh, he's involved in it in every part of it. That's the first thought. The second thought is we're not uh, a social club. We're an army. When it says the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, what it means is the church is supposed to storm hell. And the gates are supposed to break down before the church, and the church is supposed to plunder hell. 
The mission of the church is to reach the lost with the gospel, is to take those who are under Satan's power and authority and release them and set them free to serve God and to walk with God. That's what we're involved in. So we're involved in something here <clears throat> this morning as we talk about it, something that goes much further than, than, than we do, that's much bigger than we are, that's much greater than we are. Uh, <clears throat> it, it, it would be a mercy of the Lord and it would be a wonderful thing if there would be a life gate still functioning, reaching souls, having holiday Bible clubs and whatever else, long after all of us are dead. If the Lord should tarry, that the church should remain and continue and go on, because it has a life that is greater than our lives. In a sense, we get to play a part in this thing uh, for the few years we live on the planet, but it's His He's got a function, he's got a goal, he's got a work he's doing through it. And let's always remember that, that it's not about us in the here and now and what we want and what we can do. It's his, it's his church. All right, then back to this thought of holiness. LifeGate believes that Christianity uh, should produce holiness uh, of life. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, 1 Peter is written to a people who are under persecution, just about to go uh, under deeper persecution. And <clears throat> instead of comforting them, Peter does this strange thing. He challenges them. He challenged them to straighten up and to walk right and to live right. And in this verse, to be holy. He says, you're a chosen generation. Now, you know what? You're here this morning and you're born again. You were chosen. Now, we're not going to go into all that, but we're a chosen generation. Now, we're not just chosen for the sake of choosing us. And we're not just chosen for heaven. We are chosen to be a royal priesthood. That, that, that sounds wonderful, doesn't it? That we're a royal priesthood. We're part of the royal family. We're sons of God. We're part of the royal family. We are to be a holy nation. We are to have the distinctive in this world that we are holy. Right now, 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 what does holy mean? What does it mean when we talk about the idea that we are holy? Well, <clears throat> holiness means uh, <clears throat> that that. that we're removed from sin and separated unto him. That something changed when we got saved. That, that when we got saved, we didn't just kind of get saved, take salvation, put it in our back pocket and carry on with our lives as they were. In fact, the picture of salvation is this, that, you know, before you were saved, you were walking in one direction. You met Jesus Christ. You turned around and you started walking in a completely different direction altogether. That's the picture of salvation. It's, it's, it's a complete, different, you became a holy person. You, you were going after the world and after yourself and after your own things. You turned around and now you're going after Christ. Now, don't you think that should actually show up in your life? Don't you think that if you just carry on with your life the same way, people, people don't notice any difference because you, you're just the same old Joe that you used to be. You're just the same old Marianne that you used to be. You know, there's, there's um, no difference in your life. Don't you think that would be a bit strange? Don't you think that would be a bit different? Don't you think this? <clears throat> That if God was so upset about sin that he sent his son to pay the awful price for sin on the cross, only way it could be paid for. He allowed Jesus to endure all that so our sin could be forgiven. Uh, so that, 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 he, he, that's how much grieved he was with it. That, that he should come to the church and say, now listen, it was a problem before you were saved, but listen, 
don't worry about it now, you're my children, and he becomes an indulgent father that doesn't care about sin. Don't you think that kind of strange? Don't you think that that really is incongruous with what we know about God? We're supposed to be a holy people. We're supposed to be a different people. In fact, the next phrase he uses there is really helpful to us. He says a peculiar people. Now, peculiar means that of all the world, God looks down and God sees in you something precious, a treasure, something that blesses his soul, something that God looks upon and God is happy with, encouraged with, thrilled with, we might say. <clears throat> the Bible tells us that he delights in us. <clears throat> that, 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 that he sings over us. That God actually... Now, now what, what would God delight in, in us? Well, do you know that God is aware of every sin that happened in Dublin City last night? This is Saturday night. A lot, of, a lot of wicked things happened in Dublin last night. I'm sure there were people hurt. I'm sure there, were, <clears throat> there was violence. Um, there was immorality. There was drug taking. There was alcohol. There was manipulation. There was abuse. There was hatred. There was bitterness. Listen, God is very much aware of the long, long list of things that happened in Dublin last night. God is aware of all the sin that happens in the world. None of it passes him by. You know, the Bible says <clears throat> that, that God is not slack concerning his promise, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Do you know that God suffers the sin of our world? He doesn't just look at it and say, yeah, well, that's just the way it is down there, you know? He, he doesn't kind of switch it off like we do. He's God. He suffers with it. He's long-suffering. He's suffering it. His very nature is to destroy it. But he suffers with it. But you know, God, there, there, there is something in this world that God doesn't suffer and shouldn't have to suffer. And it's his church. He should be able to look at his church and see a peculiar treasure. A precious people. A people that love him. Oh, not perfect. No, we're not perfect. But we're supposed to love him we're supposed to be going after him. We're supposed to be a holy people. I think when God looks down from heaven, I, I always imagine this, you know, you, you ever look at a map and you see the lights of the cities? Each city looks like it's a light because it's so well lit up. And then the, the areas where there's nobody living will be darkness. I think when God looks over the world, most of it's darkness. But there are these pockets of light that are his church, his people, his peculiar treasure, that which he looks upon and brings him joy. Makes him happy. Now, <clears throat> let me ask you. Is your life a holy life? Now, I don't expect you to be perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. None of us this side of heaven are going to be perfect. But is your life a holy life? Is your life a life whereby you're really given to God? And when you get it wrong, you get it right again by confession and making it clean with him. But that you're a holy person, that you live your life... <clears throat> You know, as though he matters. You see, when you got saved, you became a new creature. Everyone that is in Christ is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 
You're a different person. You were reconciled to him. Uh, your life is different. You know, the Bible t- talks about a long list of sins in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 10. And, you know, talks about uh, <clears throat> all kinds of wickedness. And then in verse, in verse 11 it says, But such were some of you, but now ye are washed. What does that mean? That means you used to be like them. But you're not supposed to be now. You used to be immersed in the wickedness of the world. But you're not supposed to be now. You're supposed to be different. Salvation must bring a child life. You should be different because you're his child. It's important. It's not something that is kind of, you know, well, listen, we're saved. Um, sin shall not have dominion over us. Uh, for we're under grace and not under the law. Therefore, do what you like. It's not like that. God wants us to be a holy people. That's not a burden, by the way. That's a joy as we learn to walk with him and let the Spirit of God have his way in our lives. That's a, that's, that's a joy to us, but it's a joy to our Heavenly Father as well. We believe you ought to be holy. We believe that you ought to live your life in holiness. We believe it's a big issue. Now, you know, I, I read and... I read about churches where, where holiness has become something unattainable, so they've kind of put it to one side. They've said it doesn't matter anymore. You know, you just, you, you just live the way you want to live and do what you want to do and just come to church on a Sunday and we'll try and char- charge you up and challenge you for the week and encourage you. Uh, but we're not going to think about sin because, you know, <clears throat> that's, that's, that's too much and too hard. And a lot of churches out, like, out there like that. And I think that's a shame. I think that is a shame. I think it's a shame in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think that which he has a right to reap from a sin-cursed world, he's being denied. I think it's an awfully sad thing. Uh, and I, I think the world, being, the world being sinful, listen, is just the way the world is. It's, it, it's sinful because it's sinful because that's the way it is. But I think when the church ignores the call to holiness, that's a grievous hurt and pain to a father who is holy. He wants the church to be holy. He wants you to be holy. He wants me to be holy. He wants this church to be holy. Yeah, we become members of LifeGate Bible Baptist Church. Let me remind all of you here. Uh, we all agreed to this. This is in our covenant. <clears throat> As living testimonies to the praise of his saving power and glory, uh, we promise not to engage in idle talk, avoid all backbiting and unrighteous anger, abstaining from everything that will cause our brother to stumble, and abstaining from all questionable practices, indulgences, and appearance of evil that will allow reproach to be brought on the name of, of, of or cause of Christ. You know, for somebody out there, you are what Christianity looks like. You're the demonstration of Christianity. You know, in the Old Testament, when God wanted to show the world what holiness was, he set a mountain on fire and he gave uh, Moses uh, two tablets of stone to carry down from the mountain and there were earthquakes, there was the sound of a trumpet, there was the shaking, and everybody was terrified about holiness. No mountain shaking today. There's the people of the living God. Living amongst people who don't know God. And they look at you. And they want to know what he looks like. And they innately know you're supposed to be different, don't they? People out there know you're supposed to be different. They know you're supposed to live differently. Then They know there's some, supposed to be something different about you. It's amazing how they'll call you if you do something wrong and say, you're not allowed to do that, are you? You're, you're a believer. How did you know that? And they just know. You name the name of Christ, and that's what Christian is doing. 
Um, and they expect you to live differently. They expect you to live differently. And that's reasonable, I think. We ought to seek to be holy because he is holy. That's the first thought. LifeGate believes in holiness. Doesn't mean that we're perfect. Doesn't mean that we all get it right. But you know what? I hope it means this. That when we get it wrong, we confess the sin and make it right right away. And get right with God. That as a church, we value holiness. That as a church, if something's wrong in your life and some, <clears throat> you're living in a wrong way, somebody's going to say to you, this is not right. Why are you doing this? And as a church, if, you're, if you decide to live in sin that from the pulpit at some stage, it's going to cut across your grain and you're going to find, you know what, something, something was said that makes me feel uncomfortable. Because I think if, you, if, if the Christian lives in sin, they should feel uncomfortable. I don't think they should feel comfortable in their sin. I certainly don't think the church has any right to make them feel comfortable in their sin. I think we need to recognize that holiness uh, is a big issue for the church because it's a big issue for the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, uh, <clears throat> Uh, LifeGate is, evangelist, is an evangelistic church, right? <clears throat> now, we, we've talked about this, so I won't spend long on it. Uh, Matthew 28, verse 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. The heartbeat of the church has got to be the heartbeat of Christ, which is reaching people with the gospel. <clears throat> that's 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 got to be what we're doing. If we're going to walk in the, in a living, vital relationship with Him, then what we've got to be doing is we've got to be telling people about the gospel. Now, you know what? Most of the people that we encounter that need the gospel in the week don't come to church on a Sunday morning, right? And they won't unless somebody invites them. But you know what? Apart from somebody inviting them to church to hear the gospel, what they need is they need you to speak the gospel to them. They need you to tell them about Jesus. They need you to take and put a tract in their hands. They need you to speak a word of testimony of how God saved you, how he touched your life and changed you and turned you around. They need you to let them know that God loves them and God wants them and wants to draw them to himself. We need to be witnesses. Isn't that what this past week was all about? I mean, all these little ones got saved. 37 people got saved. Um, teenagers and young people, 37 young people trusted Christ. And you say, how do you know they're all saved? I don't, but you know what? I'll guarantee you, uh, something happened in a lot of lives this week. There are kids going to heaven this week because God touched them and you spoke the word to them and, and they're on their way to heaven. I think what happened this week, you know, what? we're going to find that uh, in years to come, we're going to see things happen and we're going to look back and say, you know what, that happened in Holiday Bible Club 2015. That's where, that's, that's where that life got changed, got affected. I think great things happened this week. I think wonderful things. And listen, that's what the church is supposed to be doing. That's supposed to be our heartbeat. Thank you for getting involved in that. That's supposed to be the heartbeat of the church. But it doesn't stop on, 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 on those high times like Holiday Bible Club. It goes on through the year. Get involved. Tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I was amazed at the adults that were here that were so moved. By, by, by what they were seeing. I don't know that they got saved yet, but you know what? You get moved like that and you're getting pretty close to getting saved. You get moved like that and you, you, you're getting drawn in. Listen, <clears throat> it is a glorious thing to be involved in the Great Commission, but you know what? That needs to be the heartbeat of our church. If we ever come to the place where we're no longer interested in reaching people with the gospel, let's close the doors and go home and be honest. <laughs> because the heartbeat of God is to reach people with the gospel. Uh, LifeGate needs to be an evangelistic church. 
Thirdly, LifeGate is a separated church. Now, <clears throat> what do I mean by talking about separated? Let me, let me read the verses for you. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, uh, saith the Lord. Now, he talks about us coming out from the world. You know, there are a lot of things that <clears throat> you ought not to do because you're a believer. And it might not mean you doing something wrong, but you're getting sucked into something that is wrong, and you need to be separate from it and say, this is wrong. Now, we live in a day and age when nobody wants to call anybody else wrong. We live in a day and age when you can do what you like, and it's not wrong. By the way, I read an article this week where in Germany, what they're doing as far as pedophilia is, con- is concerned, is they've decided uh, it's, it's wrong to do pedophilia, but there are just people who are just like that. That's what they, honestly, that's what, the, that's what they're doing. Now, that's all to make your skin crawl. And it's just plain wrong uh, for me. But, but what happens in, our, in a society like we live in, if everything's okay, then w- no matter what you're doing, it's okay. And that's what's happening in our society, that, 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 that everybody is, is okay. Everybody can do what they like. And, you know, sometimes we have to say, no, we can't be a part of that. We can't be involved in that. That's wrong. Now, that's not the way to win popularity contests in 2015. That is not, that's not going to gain you popularity anywhere when you say, listen, that's wrong. But you have got to say that. Here's, here's the problem. You see, I, I kind of value my hand. Right? I value my arms. It's a pretty good arm. It's, it served me pretty well all these years, and, and I really like it. But can you imagine that I had uh, a poison in my system that was growing up my arm, and a doctor said to me, Dave, do you want to lose your arm or do you want to lose your life? I, I, I'd put my hand down for him and say, okay, you better take the arm then, right? Because as much as I value my arm, I don't want to taking my life. Now, here's the thing with sin and here's the thing with the world. <clears throat> what happens is when you allow it into the church, what it does to the church is it destroys the church. You know, Paul dealt with this in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. and He dealt with sin in the church and he said this. He said, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. So as much as it grieves us, and as much as we hate it, and as much as we don't want it, there are going to be times when we will say to somebody, no, you can't be a part of us anymore. If you're going to live like this, you can't be a part of us. You, you, you need, it, it just isn't going to work, because what you're going to do is you're going to damage the work of God here. And you say, Pastor, that is not a nice thing to say to anybody. This is what God says to us. Let's read it again. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. You know what I think has happened in Christianity today? I think Christianity has changed from being God-focused in many instances to being people-focused. I think Christianity has come to the place where it wants to keep people on board. It wants to keep people happy. It wants to keep seats in the pews, it wants to keep money in the plate, and what it's doing is it's accepting a lot of things that it should be saying, no, we won't accept this. You can't be a part of it if you're going to live like this. And what's happening is the church is being destroyed from the inside. And here's, here's, here's what you need to understand. Here's what you, where, you, where you need to come to in your own heart. Do you love God more than you love people? Are you going to Reach out and love God and walk with Him, or are you going to want people? Now you say, I'm torn, Pastor. I understand that. I understand you being torn. But you know, when it comes down to it, the first commandment is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. 
I've got to love him with all my heart, soul, strength, and mind. We're going to be looking at Balaam, the prophecy of Balaam uh, tonight. Balaam was a, uh, a prophet. We'll talk more about it tonight. But anyway, Balaam uh, couldn't, he couldn't curse the nation of Israel. So you know what he did? Uh, he told uh, the king of the, the Moabites what to do. He said, listen, just, just invite them to your parties, get them involved uh, with your immorality and, and your idolatry and your adultery, and, and, and listen, that will destroy them by itself. So that's what they did, and the nation of Israel went in, and they became part of the immorality, they became part of the wickedness, and God plagued them for it. And there was one of the grandsons of Aaron, the priest, and he was a priest too. And one of the men of Israel came in uh, and was with one of those women, and he took a spear and he put it through them both. Now, that was a dreadful thing to do, wasn't it? But you know what happened? God was pleased. And God stopped the plague. Now, sir, here's what happened. What happened was thousands of lives were saved because somebody said, no, we're not putting up with that. You see, love for people is always love for God first. What's going to reach the world with the gospel is not when we love the world to the neglect of God. It's when we love God and show the world a relationship with God that's real and true. That's what's going to draw people to him. Now you say, it, <clears throat> it doesn't work like that, Pastor. You know, <clears throat> uh, that, that's, that, that's not possible. That is possible. That is real. We have got to love God more. And we've got sometimes to be willing to say to somebody, look, we can't have you here if you're going to live like that. As much as that grieves us, as much as we might weep about it, we need to be a separated church. That's important to us. That's important to God, more, <clears throat> even more than it's important to us. Um, <clears throat> number four, LifeGate seeks to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. John four twenty three says, But the hour cometh and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. First um, Chronicles 16.29 says, Give unto the Lord the glory due to his name, bring an offering, and come before him, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Now, holiness and worship go hand in hand. Because worship, we always, always need to understand, worship is me honoring him. Worship is about me honoring him. Now, <clears throat> You know, worship is not about me sitting in the pew and being entertained by other people doing something. And worship is about me honoring him. Now, you know, that means that the way we worship here is going to be, that, that's going to be the driving theme of our worship. We're going to honor him. Now, let me give you just some very simple things that we're, that we're going to do. As far as, our, as far, and I'm talking about our worship, I'm talking about our singing, our praise, uh, <clears throat> The words always need to speak truth. We don't want happy, clappy feelings in the words. We want truth in the words. Uh, we want truth that can actually be embraced and say, yes, you are. <clears throat> the words should speak truth. Secondly, the music should complement the words. You know, the w music of the world and the music of the church ought to be different. It's holy. 
Now, I don't think we have all this together, and I don't think we have worship in a place where everything is just right and just the way it should be. I think we, you know, we, we, we could improve a whole lot as far. But we need to understand that the words need to speak truth, and the music needs to complement the music. We're singing about God here. We're singing not about God. We're singing about God and to God. And the music and the words both reflect that. Then thirdly, the music and the words should be spiritual and not soulish. I'm not sure that we understand this one very well. Um, let, me, let me say a couple of things about it. First of all, um, all music is emotional. You know, there ought to be emotion in music. We ought to be happy. Uh, we ought to be excited. We ought to be sad about some of the music we sing. Music is emotional. But when it comes to our worship music, it can't be human emotion dominating. It becomes soulish. A lot of the music I see is just doing that. It's just taking music and it's kind <clears> of, <throat> it's, it's making fe- people feel happy, it's making people feel sad, it's, it's, it's taking them and lifting them, but it's, but it's, it's soulish music. I, we need to be careful when it comes to the music of worship that what we're doing is we're actually worshiping the living God. We're entering into His soul. Not that it shouldn't affect us, because I think worship done properly should sometimes bring a tear to your eye. I think it should. I think it should sometimes just draw you into the moment where you're in his presence. And it's real. But I think it's supposed to be spiritual, not just your soulish. You know what I see sometimes? I see churches where everybody's happy and everybody's excited and everybody's thrilled. And then they walk out the door and they leave the happiness and the excitement and the thrill behind them. Something's wrong there. I think worship ought to become something that's deeply spiritual and ought to be something that we take with us. I think you ought to end up singing some of these songs that we sing, uh, you know, in the shower in the morning. I think you ought to sing some of these songs as you go about your day. I think, and I don't think it needs to be forced. Being filled with the Spirit means speaking to ourselves in psalms and hymns and in spiritual songs that we're actually worshiping as we go. I mean, I told you in the, in the song service about the, uh, about, about the extent of the universe, uh, that, that just that, 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 that um, uh, spaceship, I suppose, uh, brought out this week. You know, what, you know what that should do? That should cause worship. Whoa, what a God. What an amazing God. I think you walk in your garden and it's summertime and you, and you, 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 know, you look at the beauty. I mean, what an amazing God. You know, how incredible is our God? I think, yeah, you go to the zoo and you see the flamingos. You know, aren't they comical creatures? And yet they're absolutely beautiful. Why, why flamingos? Just because God wanted to do something beautiful, that's why. <laughs> I think you're driving home some night and you see the sunset and, the, uh, and it's just all those colors in the sky and it just kind of catches your breath. Why sunsets? God did it because he can. Because he's God. And he did it for you. Why when you look at the stars at night and you just see this endless space? Why? Because God did it. God did it so that you would know. I think worship ought to become part of our lives. But I think worship is not a thing of the earth that's kind of kind of caged and down here and making us feel good. I think we, worship is something that opens us up to look at the create, creator God and for our hearts to be drawn to him. 
and for our hearts to look to him. And I think we need to protect that in our lives. We need to protect that in our church. All right. <clears throat> Final one. LifeGate is a church that seeks revival. You know, all the things I'm talking about here cannot be done in the power of the flesh. Now, we could do this. We could go outside the doors and we could have a census or a survey and we could find out what people want in a church and we could invite them all to church on that basis and give them whatever they're looking for, right? We could give them their coffee and we could give them their nice, comfortable pews and we could give them the music they want and we could give them everything. And you know what? It wouldn't work. I love living in Ireland, right? Some things you just can't fake in Ireland. If anything spiritual is going to happen in Ireland, it's going to have to be a God thing. Because you really can't fake it. You just can't fake it. There's not enough kind of a, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a Christian ethos out there for people to want to do something daft. If it doesn't really smite them as being real, they're not going to do it. And you know what? We could play at church. We could rearrange everything to please people. And I don't know, we might get a few more people, but it wouldn't work. It, it wouldn't be church. You know, <clears throat> when it comes to actually seeing the real, a real work of God, there's only one thing that can do it. That's the Spirit of God. And that's what we need around here. We need the Spirit of God to do a deep work. Psalm 85, verse 6 says, Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? LifeGate has been revived. LifeGate has seen God. Now, I'll tell the story completely on another, another occasion. Right? But LifeGate has seen the Spirit of God move in such a way that everything and everybody was touched and changed. Some people imbibe more than others. Some people just caught a little. But everybody was changed. And the church has never been the same since. We went into that time with God, about 60 people on a Sunday morning. We came out with the church doubled in size. And it stayed for 15 years now. It stayed doubled in size. There were people's lives that were changed that went on to serve the Lord that have just been dramatically impacted by it. That's the work of God. You know, what we're doing in this day and age shouldn't work. The things I'm talking to you about shouldn't work. Holiness, that's a dead issue. You can't build a church on holiness anymore. Uh, separation, goodness, don't do that. Evangelism, where you actually talk to people about the gospel in this day and age. You know, <clears throat> um, music that is uh, worship-oriented and God-oriented and not man-oriented, that doesn't work in this day and age. No, it doesn't. Apart from the Holy Spirit of God moving in our midst. But you know what? That's always been the way of the church. You can go through the <clears throat> New Testament and you'll find times when the Spirit of God touched and everything mushroomed. You can go through history and you'll find times when the Spirit of God touched and everything mushroomed. You, you will typically find those times when the need was desperate. Because you know what? God made the church so that it couldn't do without him. He made it so that it couldn't actually function for very long without him. That apart from the Spirit of God moving in his church, the church dies. That's just the way it is. And when the people of God realize that and cry out to God, God turns things around. When we realize our need and cry out to God, he turns things around in the church. Now here we are this morning. <clears throat> and we, <clears throat> we're at LifeGate Bible Baptist Church. Most of us have been here uh, for quite some time. Some of you are just new. Some of you are visiting for the first time today. 
But you know what? Something really happens when a people like us come to a place where we say, we need a move of the Holy Spirit. We can't make this happen. We can't blame somebody else for not making it happen. We need a move of the Holy Spirit. And we cry out to him for it. And it becomes a yearning in our hearts. One of the, uh, one of the old writers said, when the O comes back into our prayers, we're not far from God, not far from revival. When we start crying out, oh God, we need you. See, the church was never meant to be satisfied in and of itself. The church is only supposed to be satisfied when God is doing a work. And that's all of us. We need it. LifeGate Bible Baptist Church needs a move of the Holy Spirit again. Now, <clears throat> and I'm not surprised, because every time I look at revival in history, there's that whoosh of revival and then the time of declension. Then there's a lift of revival again. It's just the way it is, just the way it happens. We need revival. We need the Spirit of God to move again. And that's not a bad thing. <clears throat> Let me ask you something. Are you going to be a critic? Or are you going to be a part of seeking what the church needs? It's easy for you to decide one way or the other. Are you going to be a part of seeking what the church needs? Are you going to come to the place where you say, this is my church. God has placed me here. I have a part to play in this. We need the Spirit of God to move and do the work only He can do. I would, I would encourage you, if your heart is to see God do something through LifeGate and continue to do something, to see the church continue to grow, to see uh, lives continue to be touched, I would encourage you to get involved. Become a member. If you're not baptized, listen, get baptized. That's the first step of obedience and it's important to God. Get baptized. If you're not a member, get involved as a member. Get involved in ministry. All of us need to get involved in evangelism. You say, well, won't we wait till the Spirit moves and then get involved? No, listen, get involved now. Let the Spirit of God move in your heart and use you to speak to other people about the gospel. But get involved in it. You know, the Spirit of God wants to do a work. What limits the Spirit of God from doing a work so often is His people. His people stand between... We, we, we think holiness is a small thing. We think the church is not a big issue. And we limit the work of God. But when the people of God come to the place where their hearts are drawn out to him, and we begin to seek his face in our own lives and for our church, then we open the doors for God to do a work. Let's stand and pray. Father in heaven, we do thank you, Lord, for your word to us. Thank you, Lord, for this church. Thank you, Lord, for the fact that you've... <clears throat> Uh, brought this church into being, and Lord, you have blessed it and kept it through all these years. Now, blessed Spirit of the living God, we do ask that you would come down again. Lord, you have promised to pour water on the thirsty, and Lord, we are thirsty and we are needy. And oh, Lord, we know that apart from you, the church can never succeed. It can never be all that you intended it to be. It can never achieve what you wanted to achieve. Oh, blessed Spirit of the living God, would you sweep in, Lord? Would you stir our hearts to cry out to you, to seek your face for revival? 
Would you stir our hearts to seek you for greater things? Lord, would you bless us? May we be a holy people. May we be a separated people. May we truly be an evangelistic people. And oh, Lord, may your blessing fall upon us in a mighty flood and win us to you and draw us from the world. And oh, Lord, draw the world to you too. And Lord, we'll thank and praise you in Jesus' precious name.